There it is. I got light. I thought maybe it went dead on me. Listen, uh, thank you, Miss Ruth. We appreciate that. Great job. I appreciate that tremendously. All right, we're going to let our young people go back with Lisa and, and uh, Miss Helen. And uh, you'll have to tell them about your trip, Miss uh, Helen. That'll be short. She don't remember much. She does, she does, has learned that she can't climb mountains. She's not a mountain climber, so she tried that. But she ran down off of Hoover Dam. Crazy. I would never have walked up there to run down. So she did a good job. All right. You, by this time, you found Isaiah chapter 50, if you will. Stand with me out of respect to the author word. Isaiah chapter 50. I'm going to look at verse 10 and 11. Understand this was a difficult time in the life of the nation of Israel. They were in bondage, and they had some times, and they, they were beginning to lose hope and comfort. They didn't know what was going on all the time. Why? I mean, they understood why the prophets told them part of the reason you're in bondage is, and some others were confused of what's going on. And, and today, a lot of times, we find ourselves in bondage as well, bondage that we create. In verse 10, who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Isaiah is saying, hey, those that's walking in the light of the Lord, those that's trusting in the Lord, even though you're going through darkness, there's going to be some encouragement. There's going to be some help. There is hope for you. Then in verse 11, he says, Behold, all you that kindle a fire, that make your own fire and that a compass or surround yourselves with the sparks and walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that you have kindled, this shall you have of my hand. You shall lie down in sorrow. He said, there's not a lot of hope for you walking in your own light, walking in your own direction. But walking in God's, there's going to be hope. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your times that you give us lord it's hard to thank you for the darkness in, in our lives and the things that we go through but we thank you for them and lord we thank you for the folks that are here today and there's some folks that are here today that are going through some spiritual darkness some physical darkness lord they're struggling and and some of it they didn't bring on themselves some of it we have but lord whatever their need is through your holy spirit minister their hearts comfort them give them peace and hope in jesus name let them not walk in their own fire. Let them not surround themselves with their own ideas and compass, but with your direction and guidance. We thank you and we love you. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you. Last week we started a series, Why Does God Allow Darkness in Our Life? I mean, if we're, if we're comfortable, why does God allow darkness into our lives? Uh, why, why does that happen? Well, uh, dark times in our lives can be serious illnesses, correct? I mean, you get, uh, last year, folks that, that's our church knows what we went through, Ed and I, and the, the illness, one thing after another, after another, after another. My goodness, it's not been totally a year yet, and, but it just seems one thing after another. Why does God do those things? Well, uh, dark times are bad accidents. Uh, Ricky <coughs> Moeller was telling me a friend of theirs had an accident, and he went through the windshield, and they got to take part of his skull to, to rebuild the socket bone around his eye. Uh, 
Why do those things? Sometimes it's a bad accident. Sometimes those things happen. Uh, major loss of, of a, a job. We lose a job. That can cause dark times. Or a loss of a loved one. Or a great loss of a great opportunity. Or what we perceive as being a wonderful opportunity uh, to, to achieve and advance ourselves. Or a difficult setback in our lives. Or difficult times. Those that nobody, you or I, likes dark times, do we? We, we don't like those. We don't like them. And dark times are discouraging. You ever been discouraged? Dark times are, are despairing, and dark times are delaying, and dark times are devastating and, and disappointing to us at times. Even though those that love the Lord the most and serve God the longest, there's just sometimes we get disappointed and discouraged and feel like God left us, and we need to hang on to those promises that Jesus makes to us. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And that's a promise for those that have Christ in their heart, for those that's not walking by their own sparks, their own fire, but by the light of God. You see, the sad but true, some people think they'll never recover from dark times. And we get there. And when that happens, that's what's called depression. And that's why it happens to people like Robin Williams, or maybe some of you have some family members are going through it yourself. Depression is a very real disease. Depression is something that really gets us down, that causes us to become discouraged and disappointed and, and to lose hope. And why would a loving God allow dark times in our lives? I, I don't know how many times I've been asked that. Why would a loving God allow me to go through this? And sometimes uh, there are several reasons. This is a series, and last week we looked at the first reason. Dark times are for purging of the dross from our lives. That dross gets in our way, and, and a dross, those are the things in our lives that hinder our relationships with God. Uh, they're the things that keep us from becoming all that God wants us to be. We looked at those last week. Those are things. What are those things? Those things are attitudes, attitudes that hold us back. From what God has, it's his best plan for our life. Those things are our appetites that feed our old nature. We, we just got to have that. It's like, um, how many has ever went to an all-you-can-eat buffet? Oh, good. I see some of you honest. How many has eat all-you-can-eat and all-you-shouldn't have ate? Yeah. yeah. You got to get your money's worth. I mean, if you're going to do it, get it, you know. Uh, get it all, yeah. Well, that's the same thing that happens with our spiritual appetite or physical appetites for things or our life in general, and that's what happens. We, we feed our old nature, and because we feed our old nature, it throws us into dark times because that's dross in our life, and that dross keeps us from what God has for us the best and hinders our relationship from growing spiritually with him. And then number three, not only our attitudes, our appetites, but our actions that damage our testimony. Then we begin to live like we used to live. And you know why that is? It's that way because it's easier to redo something than it is to try something new. Uh, and, and if you're a new Christian, it's, I understand. I've been there. It's hard. A new Christian, it, it's hard to do the things that God wants us to do. Because if you've been walking in your light, in your fire, in that way, handling things your way, it's a lot easier. It's easier to do something again to go back to it than it is to go a new direction, a new way. So why does God allow th dark times in our lives? Dark times are for the purging of dross in our lives. Dark times should cause us to reflect 
on where and what God has brought us out of and brought us from. We should, we, while we're going through it, we should remember what God has done. Dark times should reveal sinful tendencies in our lives that lead us away from God. Those dark times should do that. Dark times should cause us to renew our relationship with God. We should say, Lord, I, I want to have that strong relationship again. I want to have the joy. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David said in Psalms 51 uh, that, that after he was confronted with his sin by the prophet of God with Bathsheba, and that's one of the statements he made, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And that's what we need. That's what we need. So dark times are sometimes for the purging of dross in our lives. That's, that's what it is. Now, number two, we're going to look at this this week. Dark times are sometimes for divine instruction. Sometimes God wants to tell us something. God will sometimes allow dark times to come into my life, into your life, to get our undivided attention. He wants us to hear from him. He wants us to learn from him. And I want to ask you this question before we go on. What is the voice of God, or what does God have to compete with in your life for you to hear him? What is it? Is it your work? Is it your family? Is it, is it your retirement? Is it your talent? Is it your treasures? Is, is, is it your time? What is it? I guarantee you there is something in your life. There's things in my life, more than one. And I guarantee you there's at least one thing in your life that God is competing with, that still, small voice of God that wants you to listen to him, that wants you to, to, to get your undivided attention. What is it that we're competing with? Dark times are sometimes for divine instruction. People who are greatly used of God have all gone through dark times in their lives. Have you realized that? It's in the Bible. David, the man after God's own heart. Probably one of the greatest songwriters in Israel's history. The Psalms were songs. They sang those. Those, those were songs that they sang. And, and uh, he wrote that, played the harp. And, and in fact, his music was, was soothing to the king, King Saul at the time. And King Saul became his father-in-law. You see, but David went some dark, dark times. He was hunted like an animal by Saul, who was his father-in-law. Lived in caves. And it's not a nice earth home that where this was a cave. Dark, mungy. It was so bad, so dark, that David hid with something like 600 of his men, and, and Saul went in there to relieve himself and didn't even realize they were in there. You know, it had to be a big, dark, dungy, wet cave. You ever, you ever, uh, I got home, we got home from uh, Kansas City, went up to Edna's family reunion, and and uh, you ever walk in the back of the double-checked air condition? We had turned it up while we were gone. Went back there. Had, I got an air condition problem, praise God. Anyway, walk through there, and, and the carpet's all wet. You say, this is not good. And it's not anywhere near the bathroom, so you know that's not leaking. And say, so, oh, good. So we got to get the, you know, but it's like that. Can you imagine a dark cave you've ever been in? You just get that water. I mean, look at it running the Branson. You've been to Branson and you've seen the water run down the thing or the ice freeze on. So there's water, damp, moldy, musty. You're talking about mold and mildew. I mean, that's a bad situation. So he was hunted like an animal by his father-in-law Saul. <coughs> he was cons uh, conspired against by his trusted friends. 
his friends turned on him. You ever have a friend turn on you? You ever have a friend ignore you? You ever have a friend lie about you? I mean, somebody you were trusting in, somebody you had confidence in? David did. David's own son had led a rebellion against him, tried to take over the whole kingdom when he was king, tried to overthrow him, have him killed. Listen, it was from the experiences in David's life, from those experiences that David's darkness that he wrote Psalms 23. Let's look at it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Hey, the Lord, capital, whenever you see that in the Word of God, it's talking about Jehovah. And here's the neat thing. I had somebody tell me, he's not a personal Jesus. That's not a personal God that you got. It's, 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 it's a whole world. Oh, that's granted. The Lord, Jehovah, was the God of Israel. But you see what David wrote in his song? Look at it. The Lord is, that's a personal pronoun, folks. I'm not an English major, obviously. And all God's people said. <laughs> I'm just a country boy. But I know my is a personal pronoun. He said that's my. I know what it means when the baby's in the nursery. He said, mine. I know what it means when then it said, that's mine. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He said, he's the one that looks after me. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd looks after and watches over. A shepherd takes care of, provides for, protects the sheep. That's what a shepherd does. And the Lord, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside what? The still water. Uh, green pastures, and, and we saw a video in here of green pastures. In my mind, originally, until that video, remember that, folks, church? I thought, I thought green pastures like clover or, or that green grass growing out there, that bluegrass, man, so pretty. But green grass was found underneath the rock, little bitty bits, and that's where the sheep were traveling, and they would lead them, and there would be just a little bit of grass come up from the moisture from the rocks or the, the dew overnight, and they'd have just that little grass that's what he was calling green pastures I thought man you need to be in Kansas <laughs> go in western Kansas there's a lot of stuff out there it gets green at times but he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still water I remember as a kid laying down in the field in the grass and smelling the grass that's been cut or the hay's been cut and laying out watching the stars man that was neat I, I'll never forget one time Zachary as he's growing he was four or five he said, bah, we were outside looking up at stars. How come you got more stars down here than I got at my house? Yeah. I said, because Nana and I are closer to the Lord. Yeah. No, I didn't. I said, because you got the same amount of stars, dude. He said, I said, you just can't see them, little bud, because of the street lights and all the building lights. That's why. But they're the same amount of stars. And the still waters, not some rapids and not some turmoil going on, but that calm trickling of, isn't that nice? You ever camped out by that? Isn't that great? David's writing that. Then he writes, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's like that little devotion that, or a little note that Nancy wrote. Not a devotion, but he was reading that passage and God spoke to him. Isn't that exciting when God does that? He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. For thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Listen. You know what causes a shadow? Uh, George, turn off the lights, please. Now, what causes a shadow? Lights back on. What? Light. Exactly. Turn it back on, George, please. Thank you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Hey, it's a shadow. A shadow of death. There's light. That means that light, Jesus Christ, is there. Well, we lost one. Now you're in the shadow. Lost two. There you go. See? Just had to point at him. You know? Power! I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> who was it? R.G. Lee said, I, when a mosquito bites me, I want him singing away, humming, there's power in the blood. <laughs> but it's the shadow. That means Jesus is with him. Somebody's there. God, my shepherd, the Lord. Verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even though things aren't going my way, you're right there with me. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Man, that is good. Remember I used to put cups in saucers? I don't think they do. Do they make saucers anymore? Unless it's fancy china or something. And then it run over. And sometimes I remember uh, some of the older folks would drink their coffee, pour it in the saucer, and drink it in the saucer. Do you ever do that? They do those kind of stuff. He said, my cup's running over. And they get some more. In verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of Jehovah forever. He said, I'm going to be in God's house forever and ever. Surely mercy and goodness, or goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely. And he wrote those things. Now, by understanding what David faced in his life makes this psalm even more powerful in our lives. You see, he was hunted like an animal by his father-in-law Saul. He was conspired against by his trusted friends. And his own son led a rebellion against him. Maybe you've got some kids that will turn from you, won't talk to you. Maybe you've had some friend, or a family that's done that. Maybe you've had friends that's, that's betrayed you. Or maybe you just feel like you're hunted with everything that's going on because you're going through a dark time. Sometimes dark times is for divine instruction, for attention, you see. But when God <coughs> wanted to give Moses the Ten Commandments, what did he do with Moses? He moved him. He got him away to a mountain for 40 days, and Moses was up there. God needed to get Moses away from what? From people. Sometimes we just need to get away from people. Sometimes we need to get away from the problems. Um, we try to get away from problems. If you uh, old-style life like mine, some kind of uh, reliance uh, on, on people use relationships or addictions or, uh, or some other habits that they have to try to get away from it. I know I did. That's what was my lifestyle before God's being to help me. And, and you need to get away sometimes from people, from problems, and you need to get away from the processes of life. Sometimes you just need to get where you can think and see what God's got and to, and to pray and to talk. And that's why uh, Ed and I have a place we like to go to. And we, we're talking. We say, hey, it's about time for one of, them, one of them trips. We need to get away. We may just take books and read. So we go for a walk usually in the morning and, 
or in the evening and talk and, and uh, watch a little TV once in a while. But we just, just her and I, we just, sometimes we need to get away from people, from problems, and from the, from the routines of life, if you will. And that's what God wanted to do with Moses. He led him to the mountain to give him the Ten Commandments. And when God wanted to do something great in the life of Paul, Paul, uh, God gave him a thorn in the flesh in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 or 7. At least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation. He said, unless they're going to build me up, pour me up, because God has revealed some things to me, more things maybe than he's revealed to someone else, there was given me to me a thorn in the flesh. And I don't know if Paul was married or not, so don't count that. He might have been, may have lost his wife. But the messenger of Satan to buffet me, at least I should be exalted above measure. He said, just uh, keep me from thinking I got it all together and I know it all. I asked, and Paul asked three times God to remove it, and God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. You see, it's in the dark places that God gets our full attention. That's sometimes why he calls for us. It's in that dark place he wants it. It was in the solitude of the Isle of, on the Isle of Patmos that, that John, the, the great apostle John, was put there and, and he was uh, uh, sent there by uh, Diothenes, the, the leader of the Roman Empire at the time. He hated Christians. And they had him boiled in oil and he didn't boil. It didn't burn from what I read. And man, I thought, wow, and God just did something. John was ready to give his life. And so instead of setting him free, which why law he should have because he'd been tried, they uh, sent him to the Isle of Patmos on that isle. And he, there he was in a, a dark cave, and he had to break rocks. That was a bad place. He had to make little rocks out of big ones, and he was struggling with that. And John had been banished to that desolate place because of his faith in Jesus Christ, because he shared the gospel. It was then that he wrote the greatest book of prophecy this world's ever received. He wrote Revelation on that island. It was there that, that he was revealed, that God showed him the mysteries of, res of Revelation, and that's where he wrote that. Five things. Five things that you and I should do when we're in dark times come into our lives. Number one, we need to ask God to show you what he's doing. Don't be afraid to ask God. God, what are you doing? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? That's the phrase we use. All right. Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? What are you trying to teach me? Number two, confess and forsake all known sin against God. Confess and forsake all known sin to God. Tell him. He knows anyway. We might as well tell him. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to ask to Ask him what's going on, what are you trying to teach me, and he wants us to confess our sins. And number three, continuously hide yourself, or excuse me, yield yourself to God in every area of your life. In every area, yield to God. God wants first place. He's a jealous God. He doesn't want anybody to have any more priority over him than anybody else. So yield yourself to God in every area of your life. Number four, set aside some quiet time to listen to the voice of God. Remember the question we started with? Now, why does God allow dark times in our life? That's a good question. 
but what is the voice of God contending with in your life? What is it that keeps you from hearing that still small voice? So set aside some quiet time to listen to the voice of God. That'll help you. And number five, trust God to bring you through and to bring you out of this darkness victoriously and more useful than you were before. Because everybody that was greatly used of God, and don't, don't abase your greatness upon preaching to thousands and seeing 5,000 get saved at one time like uh, the Apostle Peter it's not talking about that. Let, let me tell you. Those of you taking notes, you want to write this down. Those that don't, put it in your memory banks or someplace. I'm going to tell you, you know you're a success. And I told the church Wednesday night, you know you're a success. Or you can be happy if you got at least three things. And I'm beginning to think there's another one that needs to be added. But at least three things. Number one, somebody to love. And I added, and somebody to love you back, but somebody to love. And somebody to love you back. That's number one. Or you could put one and two. I don't care how you write it. It's your notes. Number two, something to do. And you're happy if you got something to do. As a drill sergeant, I had something to do. I was in the military. But my something to do was make them kids' life miserable. <laughs> and I was good at it. I used to tell my daughter that. I said, hey, the parents' whole responsibility is to make your life miserable. Am I doing a good job? <laughs> yes, Dad. Okay, just want to check. Somebody to love, somebody to love you back, something to do, and number three, something to look forward to. Something to look forward to. It's going to get better. You're going to make it through. You're going to get through this dark time victoriously and more useful. And you know what? For those of us who got Christ in our heart, heaven is what we should be looking forward to. And the return of Jesus Christ could come any time. Number one, someone to love. And somebody love you back. Something to do. And something to look forward to. Man, what else in the world is there? That's the most exciting thing. You know you can be happy if you got those. Listen, the dark times are sometimes for the purging of the dross in our life. We need to get that dross out that, that hinders us from our growing spiritually with God, that relationship. Number two, the dark times are something for divine instructions. Three views of trials in our lives. See trials as a training. What's God trying to teach you? What's God want to train you with? See God as training. Number two, see trials as transitions. A transition means you're changing from one thing to another, from one direction to another. Repentance is transition. You're changing from one direction totally to another direction. That's a transition. What's God trying to teach you? Well, look at it as, as trials, as God's transition you to, to, to use you, to make you. You, know, you take Brother Terry Wilson. Brother Terry Wilson's church went from, I don't know, 30 to 50 people to about 500 now. And he's doubled 
the attendance in the last nine years four times. Four times. Isn't that exciting? Man, that's great. But he lost his wife, his first wife. She passed with a uh, horrendous disease. Uh, his, his oldest daughter has been on drugs, had a problem. His oldest son has, uh, uh, had been married twice and now is hiding out so he don't have to pay uh, child support. His, his youngest daughter has been married, I think this is her fourth husband that she's with. And, his, and uh, the son, not the youngest, the youngest son is still serving God, but the son that, that was helping him, Ran off on, with, uh, on his wife and family and got into different troubles and stuff. Now he's come back with the Lord. It's a good thing. But you see, those dark times come. But that's what, it, that's what he's done, the devil at church. They come. Difficult, difficult times. But uh, the Lord's blessed. They're in a great growing area. The largest, uh, Effingham County in Georgia is one of the fastest growing counties, populace-wise and job-wise in the state of Georgia. Trials are for training. Trials are for God's transition. And number three, see trials as God's trust. Now, <clears throat> I wish I could tell you I had victory over this. And I got all this down, but I don't. I'm still learning. Okay, so don't. I, I, I understand this because I've been through this or seen some friends going through this. But let me tell you, if we can ever get to the point and we say, Lord, thank you that you trusted me with this dark time. Thank you, Lord, that you trusted me with this cancer or this, this bad heart or this, this difficult time or, or my friends lift me or my children rebelling against me. Thank you, Lord, that you trusted me to go through this dark time and then know that there's nothing new under the sun. Somebody else has already gone through it too. Or somebody else is going through it with you. But we can get to that. See trials as a teaching, as a training tool. See trials as God's transition to help us to become more like him. And to, then to see our trials as God trusts us. Wow. What a blessing. Listen. Peter wrote, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, to test your faith, as though some strange thing happened unto you. It's happened to others. And the others, that's why we're to help people through our trials. Let's stand and we'll pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for these folks that's here today. I thank you for the music that we've heard that's uplifted us, that's encouraged us. I thank you for your truth, Lord. I thank you, Lord, if we can just begin to look at these dark times. And right now, they're hard. If we're going through, it's hard to look at them that way. And that's why we need to formulate our minds before we go through them. Or, Lord, even afterwards, we need to look at them as a, as a teaching tool and look at them as a, a tool that, that you're using, Lord, as to transition us from, from one place to another. It's like moving physically, geographically. And, Lord, that's often hard because we leave friends and family and things we're familiar with. But, Lord, we need to move on and to grow spiritually. And then, Lord, to thank you for trusting us. Oh, man. When we get there, Lord, then we'll know that that dark time 
It's not just trying to purge some dross out of our lives, but trying, Lord, to make us available for you to be used more greatly by you. Lord, and maybe there's someone here that just doesn't know you as their personal Savior. Maybe uh, nobody's ever took the time to share with them whatever. Maybe there's someone here, Lord, that's trusted you as, as their Savior, but they're still looking for answers and questions. Whatever it is, Lord, let them come, and we'll be glad to let a man show a man from the Word of God or a woman from for God. Maybe there's someone here looking for a church home, and you feel this where God wants you. Whatever your need is, maybe you just want to come and pray to God and say, God, I don't know how that preacher knew, but that's what I'm going through. Help me. Whatever it is, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your power to work upon these roles and these lives of these people. Amen. Whatever God spoke to your heart about, won't you do? We've got people come and pray for revival in our nation. We've got people come pray for lost people. God, God's here for you. We're not perfect people, but we're here to help you. Dark times are going to come, folks. I guarantee there's people here that's going through them, some that has gone through them, and there's some that will go through them again.
Amen. You may be seated. Just a minute. Amen. We got uh, Jim and Maggie Ernest coming to uh, uh, for make a recommendation for membership. And the way we do it, I know you guys have seen before. Uh, we we vote on it. So do I have a a motion to accept Jim and Ernest as a member. They're coming by statement of faith. They've been saved by Ernie makes a motion. Clarence seconds it. All in favor? Amen. Amen. Any opposed? Like John always said, Don's he's not here, so you'll have to say it for him, Don. There you go. <laughs> Amen. So it's exciting to have them come by and let's, folks. I don't know what dark time you're going through, but he does. And it'll happen if it's not already, and you've probably been there. Anybody that lives very long goes through them. You don't have to live a long time. You go through school, and you got dark times and all that bullying and stuff that's going on. But you know what? I want you to know God loves you. And sometimes it's not because we've done something wrong. Sometimes it's something God just trying to teach us something. And that's... I'll, I ask one of the things I start with. Is it Romans 8, 28? It's one of them all things. We know that all things work together for good to them to love God, to them are called according to his purposes. doesn't say all things are good, but it says all things will work out for good for God's plan. Or is it Hebrews 12, the discipline, the chastisement? I, I ask those things. Lord, if there's something in my life I need to confess, you know, if there's something in Edna's life, let her learn it fast. Whatever. But it's, it's either one of those other things. And then there's some other reasons. We're going to look at them in the next few weeks. And Lord's blessing. Grandparents Sunday's coming up September 7th. And uh, I'm, I'm working on an idea for that. Uh, so, all right, let's stand. We'll be dismissed in, in, uh, in prayer. And uh, let D.L. close us in prayer. Dale, he'll bring you the mic just a minute and give you a break. I appreciate you folks. Thanks for coming to the Lord's house. Thanks for singing. Thanks for letting me start a good week. Boy, I enjoyed those those courses. Enjoyed your laughter and enjoyed you, your spirit. Our gracious dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to come to your house today. And dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank the pastor for the message that you put upon his heart. Now, dear Heavenly Father, as we all go our separate ways, we ask you to bless each and every one of us. And dear Heavenly Father, bring us back at the appointed time. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.